Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Surawala. Salim, how's it going, man? It's going well. I had just uh, chilling this morning. Not uh, nothing too exciting. I had a I had a pretty good weekend. Went to my first uh, live sporting event, or uh, in over a year. We went to the White Sox game. Um, I think I'm a curse for that. I feel like the last so many times I've been there, they've lost. I I can't remember the last time I went to a game, um, and they actually won and. Um, I think it's I think it has something to do with day games. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's mm. just a day game thing. I don't know. Was that is that the game yesterday where uh, Larusa has on the hat like till it's yeah. to the side and he's doing like the walk? I don't know if that's. I don't know if he actually is doing that for real for real. But, <laughs> but I saw <laughs> yeah, the meme that, floating around a bunch. So <laughs> yeah, the, the the Steve Buscemi. How you doing, fellow <laughs> fellow kids? <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah, is that, the, that, that's the new fellow kids meme for sure. Yeah, it is. It's uh. <laughs> It's it's fun. I, I like those uh, jerseys. Uh, not to divulge too much into the White Sox because obviously we, uh, I don't know how many people will care about baseball, but uh, I like the new South Side the the City Connect jerseys. Those are uh, yeah, those, those are, are definitely yeah. I, I actually like uh, so I like the hat. I, I don't mind it, uh, but I think their regular hat will look better with it, like because the the S on the jersey is uh, the same as the that they have normally like that's a regular logo so like it'll look really dope with their um with their regular hats that they wear yeah it's it's a really nice uniform i think it's one of the better uniforms that i've seen like in this era now where every league has these alternates now with the city and things like that those are one of the best concepts i've seen in mlb or nba so uh shouts to the uh, uh, white sauce for those jerseys and uh we also want to give a shout out to 1252 sports entertainment on this episode as well uh so this is our first time doing that so uh shout out 1252 sports entertainment and we have a lot to get into today uh the bulls aren't in the playoffs but the playoffs have been fantastic so far but we are going to get into some draft related stuff the bulls as you all know traded their first round pick this year to the orlando magic in the nikola vucevic trade it's top four protected so we'll know in later this month i believe if the bulls are going to get that pick or if they're going to lose it when it falls outside the top four so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that and we're also going to get into the second round pick that we know the bulls do have so we're going to get into some draft prospects so uh joining us back on bulls go one of our favorite guests that we always have to break down the nba draft from the hardwood herald Corey Talaba. Corey, how's it going man uh, it's going fantastic, fellas. Appreciate you having me on, as always. Uh, like I always mention, you guys were the first uh, podcast appearance I did. So, um, you know, feels like home base coming coming back to the pod. Um, uh, I'm excited. Hey, man, we, we appreciate you. We love everything that you do, man. You're, uh, you kill it. You kill it. Absolutely kill it. And I love supporting you, man. You're just, you're a good dude and, and you're super talented. So, Appreciate you guys, fellas. You are you are fantastic, Corey. And we always get really good analysis from you on draft prospects, whether it's the first round, second round, or even some guys that may go undrafted. So let, let's get into this first. Before we hit into the second round, we had you on, uh, I, I can't remember if it was earlier this year or sometime later last year. But when we, we were discussing the draft prospects initially, when we were talking about Cunningham and we were talking about Suggs and Kaminga, we were talking about what seemed to be like this class seems to be pretty solid, but it seems to be a clear uh, like tier in terms of the quality at the top end of the class. Right. So the, yeah, Bulls, for sure. the Bulls no longer have they, they have a way to get a player from the top four if this pick conveys. So a lot of the discussion has been built around whether this trade for uh, Nikola Vucevic has been worth it based on the protections with that pick. And if the Bulls miss out on a number eight or a number nine or number 10, whatever uh, pick, let me ask you this. What do you you think about the prospects in that range? And when you consider the Nikola Vucevic trade, do you think that missing out on players in that range is worth it for this deal? Yeah. Yeah, I do. There's only really one player that I'm like head over heels 
for in that range, uh, which it's Davion Mitchell. He's probably my personal like favorite prospect, at least in the in the top two that I've ever evaluated. Um, and ironically, he would fit what the Bulls need out of you know the point guard spot with point of attack defense and athleticism. And um, but people are up and down on him. Uh, you know, I don't want to. If you're one of the people who question him, I get it. He's you know going to be like 23 by draft time. But I still think even with somebody who I love as much as Davion there, that um, the rest of the prospects in that range, I mean, I would much rather have Vooch, who is a proven commodity, all-star, elite offensive talent who has, is not theoretical. You know, a lot of these guys, they're talented, but it's – theoretical you don't you don't know what they're going to turn into that's why there's a clear like top four slash five and then you start getting into a bunch of guys who you're going to see as the boards start coming out some of these guys are going to be in the six to ten range and then other people are going to have them in you know out of the lottery there's you know they're 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 just question marks based on what ifs and even a guy like scotty barnes who you know, kind of has a lot of the same qualities that you would love about like Joe Kim Noah, as far as like his passion, his energy and some of the weirdness, like even him, like he was a, a six foot nine kind of point guard. But if you look at him, you're like, he's probably not playing point guard in the NBA. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be a power forward and maybe somebody that you want to play small ball center, but he doesn't block shots and he averaged like four rebounds a game. So like it, you know, the, there are all these question marks with, with these guys and Vucevic is an answer. You know, he's he's part of a, a solution way more so, um, at least on Zach's timeline, than, than any of the guys you're probably going to draft in this range. So, uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen um, how, how the draft, uh, how the, the trade works out just based on what, you know, AK does beyond that um, to fill in the blanks. But as far as getting the piece itself, like I'm not all that disappointed that we don't have a, a pick in that range. Yeah, 100 percent. and. Something as I was as brought up many times in our previous episodes, like having adults in the room uh, is very much where the Bulls need to be at this point. Yeah, obviously, when you get in that top four and it is top four protected, you know, and that's something AK was very you know smart about doing. That's when you're like, OK, I'll, I'll make the exception for a guy like Cage Shugs, um, even Jalen Green. I know he's a repetitive talent, uh, but sometimes you may just want to take him just because of how good he is. Um, but yeah, those guys make sense, but like, just, just to the bulls, they don't need another, you know, rough, you know, someone that's a project that could be good, you know, could have his struggles. That'll take probably three, four years to even see any sort of potential at this point, they need to start, you know, making a team that is playoff caliber they need to make the playoffs next year there's no excuse if they go into next season and it's another lackluster season where they you know late in the season fall apart for one reason or another and not get into the playoffs that's that would just be very uh, that would be a failure of a season and it'll be disappointing mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. I, I mean uh you know and then that's the that's the draft that's the crapshoot and and like you said we're at the point where we need adults in the room and I think you saw it like the Knicks got adults in the room this year and you know I think that that was kind of one of the differences between them coming on at the end of the year and and the Bulls kind of tailing off and obviously the Bulls had some COVID stuff going on but um, you know when you go out and you surround a team with veterans and, and adults it's usually going to lead to more immediate, immediate success than, you know, banking on a kid who looks great now when we're, we're looking down, you know, mock drafts and and thinking of what they could be, but it's like the new car for most of these guys, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you drive it off the lot and uh, they immediately lose value. Like Kobe white was the seventh pick in the draft a couple of years ago. You're not getting that seventh pick value out of him right now. Right. It's, it's a, it's, it's all, uh, not all, but a lot of times it could be a little smoke and mirrors. So if you don't just absolutely nail that pick in that range, you know, you, you got to wait on a couple of years just to get anything out of them. So to me, um, you know, it was a good trade and, and I'm not going to lose sleep over any of the guys that, you know, we're missing out on. Yeah. That's something I always go back to, uh, as well, that in the last 
four years, we've had the number four pick and three number seven overall picks. And Markinen is probably going to be out the door. Wendell Carter Jr. is gone. Kobe White has had some flashes, but not really a clear-cut core guy that you can build around with. And Patrick Williams showed some flashes this year, but again, jury's still out. Uh, when you when you look back at last year's draft and the Bulls got Patrick Williams at number four, I, I'm looking at everyone who went afterwards in Okoro, Okongu, Hayes, Toppin, uh, Denny, Jalen Smith, Vassell, uh, or Vassell, uh, Halliburton, Kyra Lewis Jr., Neesmith, that's the rest of the lottery right there. So I, I, I ask you this, how do you feel a year later after the Bulls drafted Patrick Williams? Like, it was it, I, I feel like at the time, a lot of people were kind of a little surprised about it and maybe had other players that they were more interested in. But do you think uh, the Bulls made the right pick? with what we know now or do you think mm, there's still some guys below like Hayes or uh Denny who you're kind of uh, higher on in terms of uh, their ceiling well I you know it was definitely you know kind of shocking I think most people had him at the back end of the lottery and then you know I started hearing some stuff prior to the draft from some people that were like oh, Patrick Williams like mm-hmm. and uh, initially, I thought it was all kind of a smokescreen. Maybe the Bulls wanted to trade back because all the all the noise initially was about the Pistons really wanting Patrick Williams. Um, so when he was drafted, I was a little bit surprised, but not completely blindsided by it. And, you know, to me, like, I kind of still feel the same way I did on draft night. You know, like, he definitely showed some really fun flashes. But if you watched his Florida State tape, it's all stuff he flashed there. And, and I'm glad because one of the question marks and reasons I had him more in that back end of the lottery was that like, I don't know how many NBA teams are going to be like, yo, go cook in the mid range. Mm. Um, You know, like usually if a team's saying that it's for Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, you know, guys of that caliber to trust a rookie to, you know, take those shots. uh, I think, you know, that's a, a tip in the cap to the Bulls coaching staff, actually letting, Patrick Williams, you know, kind of come in and be comfortable with himself and not just overextend himself doing stuff that he isn't ready for. But at the same time, I still have the question marks. Is he going to be able to do some of the other stuff that, um, you know, the, the off the bounce three point stuff, like, mm. you know, it, the catch and shoot looked good, but it kind of looked okay in college too. So I, you know, I, I, I still feel like the expectations that I think a lot of Bulls fans have for him, where it's like, he's the next Kawhi Leonard. I would pump the brakes a little bit. I think looking at Kawhi's kind of career arc is similar to like what happened with Jimmy. Like just because Jimmy Butler turned into who he did from where he started, doesn't mean that you can look at like Isaac Okoro and project that same kind of, you know, learning curve uh, or, or development. And I don't want to do that for Pat either. Like Pat is guy who very very clearly is going to be in the NBA for a very, very long time. But is he going to be a superstar? That's tough. Probably not. Most players don't turn into that. Hmm. Is he going to be a star? Maybe a little bit more realistic. We'll see. And it's like in college, it's his mentality. He has the physical tools. What is his mentality going to be? Because that is something that you can't necessarily force. And now was it the right pick? I would say probably. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you look back um, at, at most of these guys and, you know, you could definitely make a strong case for Halliburton. I think yeah. if the Bulls had taken Halliburton, we would have been a playoff team this year. I think he'd have helped us way more than than Pat did. Um, and, and Pat was good this year. But Halliburton, you know, brought something that the Bulls really lacked. Um, but, you know, again, you could look at Halliburton and say he was in the perfect situation playing next to De'Aaron Fox and De'Aaron Fox was the point guard and Halliburton kind of played shooting guard. And um, if he comes here and is expected to be the primary ball handler, maybe his season looks a little different too. So, you know, all these things are, you have to look at and and think about them from so many different perspectives, but I think the bulls did well. I just, you know, as, as high as I am on Pat now that I've seen, he could actually do the same things he did in college in the NBA. 
all right, now we have to see him change his mentality because it's for him. If he wants it, he could go get it. He's got the physical tools and you hear, that's what you hear all the veterans on the Bulls team say, like he's got to change his mentality, but that's easier said than done. Not, Mm. that's not just a switch you could flip on or off. It's, it's something that you have to go get. So if he does it, sky's the limit, but if not, you know, he's just like, think of other guys that, kind of showed flashes uh Marvin Williams he played in the NBA for how many years you know like he had he that dude made a ton of money in this league and was a valuable valuable role player and he was drafted real high over some really good players um he just never got to that next step and it's totally possible as much as there's a Kawhi outcome out there like there's mm-hmm. a, a a Marvin Williams outcome too so expectations are important and if we're going to put star upside on him like he's got to reach him or we're going to look at a moment like now where I think he has a lot of value in the league. And like, we're at a point where maybe some guys we're going to have an opportunity to go get them potentially. And like, if he's a real trade ship, it could be a swing moment in the franchise where you like either stick with him and hope he develops that, that dog attitude or, or you kind of move him while he's at his peak. I mean, there it's, it, there's a lot of hard decisions ahead, I think for, for management regarding Patrick Williams. I, I still look at, uh, and, uh, shout out Big Dave. He's gonna kill me for saying this again. But when I mentioned Luol Deng last time, like not in terms of game, but just in terms of role, impact, use on a team, like that's kind of the compromise I see. But like I see between the floor and the ceiling, and it seems like a realistic result. Like Lou was pretty good for a few years. I know it's not a sexy outcome, but. He was a valuable player. He was good. You could play him at 3-4. He could guard multiple perimeter positions. Uh, if that's the result we get from Patrick Williams, like, I'm cool with that. Even that's like a win. A, yeah, yeah, it's a win. Yeah, like, even it's the, a win. Yeah. Like, even the Jeremy Grant, uh, when we compare uh, Denver with uh, is like, even like a Jeremy Grant sort of role, like, almost like a hybrid between Grant and Millsap, I guess, in terms of outcome, like, Something like that, I would be fine with. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah that would be right. really good if he's Jeremy Grant, Millsap com- um, combination. That's I don't know how anyone would say, "Oh man, I'm disappointed." Like that's the way Jeremy Grant Grant, uh, Grant is scoring right now, and you see Millsap with his toughness, um, ability to you know be a good defender, uh, on, get on the boards and everything like that. It's like, man, mm-hmm. I would absolutely love that if, if that any type of you know, any type of archetype, if you became like that, it would be fantastic. One thing I do want to ask you, Corey, is looking at, again, a year from now, looking into his, his, him as a player, uh, I'm pretty confident at this point that he's a power forward, more so than a small forward. Now, that could definitely change as his skills maybe develop, maybe if his later, lateral quickness of footstep speed or whatever you want to call it, get a little quicker. But after a season of watching him, I, I feel like he is a four, and I'm I'm hoping that's what the Bulls see him as. How about yourself? Yeah, I think I mean when I was evaluating him, I didn't really look at him as a three at all. Um, I, I think it's great that he could play there. I think that's a bonus that he you know because so many teams want to switch and and you know if he's able to keep up with these guys um, and. Spurts, and then it also, if you look at most threes, are probably getting bumped up to be fours anyway. So it's all, almost becoming a little bit interchangeable. But uh, yeah, I think he's a four. I think it was just like a situation where, and especially after the trade, like we got Thad and Laurie and Tice and like all these got bigs that we're trying to get minutes for, and it's like somebody's gonna hit the bench. And if we're evaluating this year these guys, if somebody's hitting the bench, you don't get a full evaluation and like that, you don't really need to evaluate. Right. But then he was playing awesome. So you got to get minutes for him. Um, Cause we're still trying to win. It was like, just, there was a log jam at the four. So the easiest solution seemed to be like, all right, let's see if Pat can play the three at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, for a rookie, he more than held his own, even though he had, you know, the, the same rookie mistakes that every, even the best rookies have, um, playing NBA basketball is really hard and you know, it's a really hard adjustment. So I think he did well there. I just think it was, there was a log jam there. And I think is this roster is built out more in a more like nuanced way. Now, like I, I think that this off season, there really needs to be some direction with the roster because 
we evaluated for a year. We don't, there's no more evaluation. We kind of see what everybody is. So now it's time to kind of, you know, build it up. The pieces were there. Let's put the, the pieces together now. And I think ultimately he'll get to play his more natural position more often as we kind of trim some of the fat on the, on the roster. So, yeah, I think he's a four, but uh, you know, I, I think just to get him on the floor as much as possible, it was almost out of necessity that you had to put him at three a little bit. Well, the Bulls are going to have a uh, – it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting time for the Bulls to uh, build this roster out in the offseason. And as we know, we're not going to have their – they could potentially not have their first-round picks. So really all they could have draft-wise, unless they trade in, is this uh, second-round pick, which is uh, the 40th overall right now. And I'm just going to read to you the uh, – the picks in front of that that Tankathon has right now. So they have uh, Trey Mann, Cameron Thomas, Matthew Hurt, BJ Boston, Joel Ayayi. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. Terrence Shannon Jr., Deshaun Nix, uh, Rokas. I'm not going to mess up his name. Sometimes you just like, you just call him the Rokas, right? <laughs> Rokas. Yeah, Rokas or Joku. That's all, that's all I'll give him. And then uh, Ariel. Again, not gonna just gonna call him Ariel. And then we have Johnny Jazang at the Bulls pick at 40. Then two picks after that, the next two picks after that are Jay Huff and uh Nation Highland. So when you look at the players that are kind of mocked in the second round right now, who do you think is someone that potentially in that range the Bulls could really target and they could carve out a role, maybe not immediately, but at some point going forward? I do. I just want to say, I do think the Bulls have the 38, 38th pick. Oh, okay. I think so, they can move. I think they can swap with the Pelicans. Okay. So they can swap. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I, I do believe you're, you're right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting names on that list. Um, personally, like if Trey Mann is there, no brainer, let's get Trey Mann. But I think he's going to be a top 20 guy. Um, potentially, but you know, like the draft is a really fluid situation. So, you know, he could be a guy that might go top 20 and then somebody else drops and then Trey man's not on anybody else's board and he does make it to the second round. But if he's there, I mean, his, his scoring game, his isolation game is off the bounce game his in, at his height. It's a no brainer for second round value. Like he's a, again, like he's probably going to be somewhere in the 15 to 20 range on my board overall. Um, just cause he's just really talented. He's shifty with his handle. He's, he's an NBA player. Um, as far as, is he what the bulls need? Uh, I don't, I don't know necessarily. I mean, um, he's kind of Kobe white esque, you know, he's not like a natural distributor. Uh, he's, he's a off the bounce scorer. So I don't know if he's necessarily what the bulls need, but he's a guy that like, if the bulls maybe were moving on from Kobe at some point, like potentially fill that that hole uh cam thomas is another guy that i think is going to be a first rounder he's definitely not what the bulls need but he is one of the most potent scorers in the draft but that's pretty much where it ends with him like he is a scorer first second and third tough shot maker um gets to the free throw line which is actually i think something the bulls do need but you know it, it his on this bulls team he is a a off the bench microwave scorer type um, Boston's interesting, you know, I, I just kind of broke his game down a little bit on my draft podcast and he's a guy, he was projected to be the third pick overall coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so a potential top five guy, he has that blue chip, you know, in him. And, you know, we saw a guy last year in Jaden McDaniels who same thing, he came into the, into the year as a top five guy and ended up going, you know, later in the draft to the Timberwolves and he actually worked out. Now they're not the same player. Um, and why did McDaniels, Boston slide? So why did he slide so big? You know, he, honestly, his shooting splits are disastrous. Hmm. Like he was like 37, 30, 70 something. Like he just could not hit shots. And a lot of it I think was mental in his head. Like once he started struggling, Um, but he seems like a guy, and I think it's something that's kind of common with a lot of these new kids who come out where, you know, if you watched LaMelo, it's clear that dude just hooped his whole life. Like he played pickup, 
he he was playing with older kids like he's just playing in games over and over and over again and getting like actual game reps and that's why he's able to read the game boston's more of a guy that like he was working out with trainers right so like his skills look really good on his high school mixtape but when you get in a game like you have to process the variables like it's not a cone or a trainer waiting at the rim with a baseball bat just in the air. It's like <laughs> some guy sliding over from the weak side. And now you have to process a thought. And it, he really struggled with a lot of that stuff. And like his high school team was really talented. He played with another guy um, in Zaire Williams, who was potentially a top five guy who's going to slip in this draft as well. Uh, he played with Bronny James and D Wade's son. And uh, those high school games, you watch them. It's like, you're running up and down, you know, it's basically like could look like LA fitness pickup because you're just so much more talented than your competition. A lot of times that you don't even need to process the intricacies of basketball and Boston struggled with that. Once he got to a spot where like he was playing against high level competition every night. Uh, so like he definitely, you know, he flashed some skills. If the bulls took a guy like BJ Boston at, you know, 38, 40, wherever, like, yeah, like take, I'll take a shot on him because he did have that blue chip potential. And at worst, you're losing a second round pick and you took a shot on somebody who could, you know, who people really, really believed in. Um, and, and who knows, maybe the circumstance just wasn't there. I mean, the, the guard play overall for Kentucky this year was really, really tough to watch. I mean, they just didn't have any setup guys. Cal, he runs some pretty outdated stuff. I mean, there are tools with Boston. He just... He just he he needs to play more. He needs to think the game through better. But if he's there, it, you know, not a, a terrible solution. Um, Dacian Nix is a guy who played with the G League Ignite. So you actually have like game reps in a pro system against professionals where you can watch him. The thing with with Nix is that he really was overweight in mm-hmm. that G League bubble, like. It, it was noticeable that this kid is 19 years old and he came into this situation crazy out of shape. Um, you know, he looked more like, like a lot of times you see going downhill, you'll, you'll see guys, you know, um, looking like a running back hitting the hole, but he, he looked more like a lineman hitting. The oh, hole, wow. you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and it, look, it, he was able to have guys bounce off him and do stuff. And he's a terrific, terrific passer. He's almost like, uh, kind of like a poor man's Lonzo ball, you know, like great passer if he jump shot. Um, now he's looked way slimmer over the last couple of months. Like he looks like he's in very good shape and his jump shot's not broken. It's not broken. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people believe like, you know, a, a prospect's a little bit overweight, like that is potent, like hidden potential because mm-hmm. if they get in shape, like it could open up so many things. And, and I, do believe that for him. I think he'd be a good target for the bulls. Um, I'm a little iffy on taking point guards at, in the second round. You know, we, we took, or we didn't take Dotson, but we, we signed Dotson after the draft. Um, you know, I think to expect, I think if we take a, a point guard in the second round, I think a lot of bulls fans are going to expect that player to solve some of the issues that the bulls have from the point guard spot. And I think putting that kind of responsibility on a second round point guard is unfair and ultimately will lead to disappointment early on. You know, I think we need like legitimate point guard help from an actual NBA player who's played actual NBA minutes mm-hmm. um, and is dynamic with the ball in his hands and can get in the paint. Um, so I, I don't think like, like, again, if I took, if we took Knicks, like, I think it would be a, a really solid pick. I just, I wouldn't expect him to, solve the the point guard problem you'd just be like a part of the the solution and you know maybe a long-term project a guy i love is uh nation highland bones highland highland one bones is like the coolest nickname ever um so and two he has like an elite skill so in the second round a lot of times like i look for guys that have elite like at least one elite skill yeah and he is an elite like shooter elite shot maker a lot of people compare him to jamal crawford um because he's got like a fancy shifty handle not as tight as as jamal jamal's one of the all-time 
ball handlers like in the history of the sport. Yeah. Um, but he has that ability to like, I mean, he's got in the gym range. Like if, if he's at a logo, he could pull it effort effortlessly. And he shot, I think like 38% on eight attempts a game oh, wow. as like the main okay. focus. Um, and, and he's a guy he shot like 86% from the free throw line. So for me, like if you're shooting from the logo on eight attempts a game and you're up in the high thirties and then you're above 85% from the free throw line, like you're a legit shooter. So he's a guy that to me, like he's not a point guard. He's six, three. He's a little, he's kind of lanky. He's got good length. Um, he's not a point guard, but his role shouldn't be point guard. Like he'll play, he'll play with the ball in his hands as a scorer, but he's got elite NBA shot making. So to me, like he's probably realistically my number one target out of that range. Cause again, like, I don't think that Trey Mann's going to be there. Uh, I don't think Cam Thomas is, is going to be there necessarily, but like, I just, I love Highland. I love his shot making. And again, like just go put on a YouTube highlight of him and this kid's pulling up off the bounce from the logo effortlessly Dame Lillard range consistently. And I think that's, that's valuable um, in the NBA and, you know, really, you know, we have Zach who could pull from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, I don't think Kobe has really shown consistently to have like crazy, crazy range. Um, even though he's a, an okay shooter, but I think we, we, I think we need more like elite shooting, you know, like yeah. we expected that from Laurie and Laurie, he, he had like, you look at his percentages, they're great, but like, I'm never confident when the ball leaves his hands that it's going in, even though it does hit at a good clip. I think we need guys who are like, I'd be confident when the ball leaves their hand outside of Zach. Cause even Kobe, like he, that kid's either going to knock down a couple in a row or, you know, it's going to back rim. Um, and then, you know, the other team's off to the races. So I Highland is a guy who's an elite shot maker. He's got potential to do some other stuff. I, I would, uh, that's the guy I would target personally. What, what do you think about, uh, you you mentioned finding guys who are who have an elite skill and yeah. I, I i think you could argue like effort and energy is somewhat of an elite skill too even in the second round yeah. or even some defense so what do you think about herbert jones from alabama yeah. who has made uh three sec all defensive teams one sec player of a year and sec defensive player of a year of his past season not a shooter or anything like that but uh, i mean a, a really good glue defensive guy I mean, what do you think he, can he translate to the nba or like, yeah yeah he's he's another guy I, I think that um is gonna be really popular on the internet like mm-hmm. as as one of these like i think he's one of those like draft twitter darlings um because of all of the things that he brings like he's the guy that like the grizzlies will draft like the John um, Porter of this draft, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like you, the Grizzlies are pretty much a, uh, like, I don't even know if they have a general manager or like a draft team. I think they just run like a simulation of, of like all the prominent uh, Twitter accounts and just, <laughs> and just take that guy every year. Um, but that's kind of her. I think that's Herbert Jones. I mean, you look at his body, you know, like his height, his length and the tools that he brings. Um, and you're like, yeah, this is a guy who is going to be a role player in the NBA. Like he, he hustles hard. He gets after it defensively. His shots, not like broken, broken. So you can maybe project him to be like good enough to hit spot up shots. Um, he's not going to be an off the bounce guy ever, but like you could project him to hit open shots uh, eventually. And, um, you know, the hustle and the, the block and steal numbers are, are great for a guy his size. So you could, he's going to be switchable. and in the second round, like, yeah, you said, like, I look for either like that elite skill or a guy like him who you just know is solid. Like, you know, he, he's going to carve out a niche somewhere. It might not be on the first team that drafts him, maybe not even on the second team, but like eventually somebody's going to find, you know, minutes for him and, and he'll prove to be, you know, an NBA guy. And then, you know, a bunch of teams are going to be like, how did he slide? And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, Guys like that tend to make it, right? Like you play hard enough and you Can have you like five? the physical tools, like you'll you'll make it. Um even if it's it's not right away. But he's he's definitely interesting. Um and I think you could probably argue, like given some of the potential moves the Bulls have to make this 
this off season that he, his height, his skill set, um, maybe is something the Bulls need. Can he play small ball five? Uh, not right. I don't think right away. Okay. I, I think he's got to put some weight on. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Pat can in spurts. Like yeah. Pat, <laughs> like Pat had a, a really good block rate. Um, at least in college, and I, you know, if, if you're going to expect Pat to play some four, uh, you could probably just be like, "Hey, play play a little bit of five. I mean, he's if he's going to get strong, be strong enough to to guard fours, um, you know, you're going to want him to maybe switch on to, to five situationally too. But I, I think that Jones is, you know, even though he's older, I think he needs to, you know, hit NBA weights um, if he's going to like. The fives are back. The fives are coming back. So, yeah. <laughs> but you look at the fives though, not in the league. They're very skilled. Like they're super skilled. Yeah. They, they, there's not like they don't. They're not. They don't. They don't only bring one thing to the to the table. They're like all around. Get on the boards, pass. You know, hustle. Like you, you know, look even a guy like Capella, who who isn't some you know, like as far as an elite as far as elite skill set is concerned, but he, you know, he runs the floor, does a good job pretending to paint a uh, good defender, obviously, and then gets on the boards. Um, and it, it's a nice re- release valve for uh, Trey Young, especially in that pick and roll. So yeah, it's, it's the bigs today. I, you know, I was thinking, yeah, they are coming back and hundred percent, but you have to be skilled. You can't just be a one dimensional uh, big and I yeah. guess that goes for any player really in this league mm. yeah <laughs> I mean for the most part I, I mean versatility is the name of the game you know and for for role players like no no longer can you just be like I mean how many like Kyle Corvers are there not really right yeah. like you want it's three and D like if you're Kyle Corver now it's more like you're Doug McDermott like you know the, yeah. if you're one side of the ball um granted Corver was a good enough like team defender to to function um in you know other defensive lineups and not like totally blow up your defense but yeah everybody wants you to play both sides of the ball and it's important because nba defense is like pretty intricate and you have to cover a lot of ground because there's so much spacing so you know if you can't if you're not quick enough to like be in the paint on the weak side when your guy is in the corner and then x out back to the wing when the ball skips like what it, what it, it doesn't matter what you bring on the offensive end if you're just going to totally blow up an entire defensive scheme consistently. So you got to you got to play both ways for sure. What are your thoughts on some European talent around that 38 spot? Because I was wondering if AK would go another route of, of draft and stash. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, it's obviously he isn't afraid to draft. Um. You know, international players. Uh. You know, I will. I will say. Um, you know, I asked a scout about uh, Marco. You know, okay. fairly recently. Like, you know, what do you think? Like, is he a guy that that the Bulls can potentially use um, when he comes over? And he was like, "I don't think so." Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like, um, I don't think so. I think it may have been a favor to the agent. Uh-oh. Is it Bartlestein? It better not be Bartlestein. I swear to God, <laughs> no. it better not be Bartlestein. And uh, he was basically like, you know, like I, I know I, I posted something about him recently and all the Bulls fans in the mentions were like, this is our Laurie replacement. And he's like, I immediately knew I messed up posting what I posted as soon as I saw the reaction. So I, w- I do want to say like, let I know a lot of Bulls fans I've seen are, are excited about Marco. And to be totally honest, like I haven't watched a ton of him probably, you know, outside of a lot of the highlight clips this from his play this season, but somebody I really trust is not like enthralled by, by him because I think the league that he plays in is really, you know, really down this year um, talent wise. And like, uh, he thinks there's going to, there might be some struggles ahead if he, if he does come over. So I just want to say, maybe we shouldn't pencil him in as like our Laurie Markkinen replacement. Um, because oh man, they're tall white guys that could shoot it. Well, we're just going to end the pod right here. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, I had no uh, expectation. I didn't know what to expect from him personally. I just, 
I was just looking at other people talking about him and and they were thought that he would come in this year um and maybe be something. I I didn't know what to expect. So hopefully hopefully the scouter's wrong. I know you trust him. Let's yeah, well, hopefully so he is wrong. And Scouts are not infallible, you know. No, for sure, for sure. So well, we'll I see, found, I guess. So I'm I just did a quick Google search and granted this is not I don't think it's I'm not gonna say this is one hundred percent accurate information, but I searched for Marco's agent. I'm gonna mess up the name, but it's Misko Raznatovic and there's a connection between Raznatovic and Nikola Jokic, who oh, is okay. uh, one of the people in this article that is uh, discovered Jokic early on. He's a power player, that agent over there. Like he's yeah. one of he's one of the biggest uh, agents over there. So, um, and you know, in the second round, like international, not international, like favors are, are made all the time um to agents in in these spots so um but as far as like you know guys who are interesting internationally i'm actually uh on the the draft act podcast this week i'm going to be interviewing uh Vrenz blindberg um he's an interesting he's he's i think the the poku of this draft okay um feel how you may about uh <laughs> pokashevsky <laughs> But um, he was all I, the I rave la- like <laughs> last year. We were, and, I mean, he had some he had some flashes this season, but he was yeah. otherwise he was not very good. Yeah, no, he yeah. was. Ter- he was I uh, think he's, his feel for the game is not really good. I feel like, right? I don't. Yeah, his, I mean, he's as skilled a, as a big man as you'll find as like a passer, but he's like very theoretical as well. Like everybody talks about how like interesting his shooting is. And like, oh, you see, he sh- he hit that three off movement, and he's seven feet, and it's like, yeah, but he's shooting like twenty five percent. Yeah, <laughs> he, had, he had like a stretch this season where he had played a certain amount of minutes and hadn't attempted a free throw. That is I, why, because he, like you said, he was like the rave, like talk of the town for the draft last year. And granted, I think that process was so long that everybody was just going insane trying mm-hmm. to evaluate it. But, um, you know, I watched his his tape, and I'm going. All right, look, I'm going to be 35. So athletically, I've tailed off quite a bit. <laughs> but in my mid-20s, could I play in this league? Like, I literally <laughs> had those thoughts watching his games from, from Greece. Um, and I'm going, all right, I see the skills. I know why everyone likes him. But how on earth is he not getting to the free throw line? In this league that I legitimately had a thought, like, could I play here? And he couldn't get to the free throw line consistently. So I'm like, when that started happening in that stat, which was my favorite stat of this year, like of how many games it took him to finally shoot a free throw, um, given the minutes he was playing, I was like, yeah. Did anybody watch this? Like, this is what he, he's a seven foot skinny guard. And like, I don't know. Is that, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know overall, like what that looks like, like as a role player, um, who he probably thinks he's a star. Like, I don't know the, the, I will say about Poku that he did give us like one of the all time great NBA photos in like the McLovin press conference. <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, um, but it'll be interesting to see his development. Cause he's definitely a test case of like, okay, so he wanted to be bad and just roll out the, the young guys and, and tell them to go. And they certainly went, but friends, I think is a guy similar to, to, maybe a little bit more stable than, than the Poco experience. Um, but he's a good passer can shoot it off the bounce. He's, he's like seven feet tall, a uh, little skinny, but you know, he's young. So that comes with the territory. I feel like nowadays um, there's not many big, big guys who are coming into the league completely like yoked out of their mind. Uh, but you could definitely shoot it. Uh, oddly enough, his form kind of looks like LaMelo a little bit when he shoots. So it's like weird, but it's got good touch. Um, he's he's kind of interesting. I think you could probably I, – I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but I, I think he's an interesting name that you're going to see pop up a lot um, over the, the coming months. I think it's – going back to poker with the OKC, I think it's a right mindset that they had because they had so many different draft picks where might, might as well burn one on someone that has so much raw potential that maybe yeah. – even if that – 
0.1% chance that heads, you know, you have this really good talent that you can either build with or enticing enough for some team to give up, you know, an asset for that you can then, you know, use for something else that could be better. But yeah, I think that's the thing with, when you're drafting, especially rebuilding, you have to have multiple picks because that's just how you, how you do it. And that unfortunately they're in the bulls rebuild. They didn't do that. I mean, now we're almost done rebuilding, but Garden packs for whatever reason, just thought having one draft pick every year was, you know, enough. Yeah. They, they thought a lot of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me ask you something that's purely, uh, just theoretical here uh, really has no bearing on the bulls but when you look at how good Lamelo ball was last season mm-hmm. and he i know a lot of people had him as the number one overall pick but i, I always loved your freestyle battle rap comparison to Lamelo <laughs> ball and it looks like he won that battle the yeah. first year so <laughs> he's on a roll but l- let me say this if you put Lamelo ball in this draft is and I'm and I'm just saying purely as I, I guess it could be as a prospect or it could just be as after what he did his rookie season. Is he a better long term bet than Cade Cunningham, or are you taking Cade Cunningham over Lamelo Ball? I would take Cade. Okay. As a prospect. Okay. Um, I think that people. I know a lot of people are like cool a little bit on Cade because like his assist numbers weren't as gaudy as people I think expected given his reputation but I think that the college format and like his just really not good teammates (laughs) attributed (laughs) to that and the fact that he basically got blitzed every time he taught like was above half court but to me he's like offensively he's kind of like the love child of Luca and uh Jason Tatum like just as a a shot maker and that was a big question mark with him coming in his shot making was unbelievable like his isolation game and his isolation shooting at his size is really special and um I think it's like when you look at some of these playoff performers like he's a guy that it's perfectly suited to translate to the playoffs as as a scorer and then he's kind of underrated with how like strong he is, like getting to the hoop. And there's a kid who's 19 years old, like he's only going to be more physically, you know, uh, developed as as the years go by. Um, and now, like you look at a guy like Luca, mm-hmm. and like he's bumping off Marcus Morris and telling him he's too little, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. like. And, and he's a guy that everybody was like worried about physically coming in. It's like Cade physically. And I think Cade is going to be in much better shape than Luca is. Um, so I think physically, and then really the differentiator. And I think LaMelo definitely looked better defensively than people expected. Certainly I expected given his defensive tape in, in Australia, but Cade, I think is just talent wise on the defensive end is kind of a, a different level defender just overall package like Kate is he's the real deal like he's as sure of of a prospect I think as you can get but it's certainly I mean and especially like when you're talking prospect to prospect where LaMelo had like the question marks because his Australia tape was not great like it had all the flashes that interested you and that's like that's why I couldn't like I had him third overall like I couldn't move him any further down because he had skills that are unteachable um, uh, but Cade is like, what if LaMelo didn't have those question marks coming in? Mm. Now, I think that if the question was like, would a GM have it in them to pass on this version that we know LaMelo is now versus taking Cade? I think that's a more interesting conversation. I'd probably still lean Cade, but I don't think I would fault anybody for taking the guy that we've actually seen do it in the NBA versus, you know, the guy that again, is theoretically yeah. uh, doing it, I mean, but it's, it's certainly an interesting conversation. He, he averaged right per 36, 27 and seven with two steals this season for LaMelo. And yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he shot like pretty decent from three. I mean, yeah, 35% yeah. and he shot like what? 28 
or something like that uh when he was uh yeah it was yeah. i think it was worth honestly i think it was i think he was i think it was his percentages were like 38 25 um but that's off the top of my head i could be i could be wrong on that yeah that his his shot was really interesting let me let me ask you another hypothetical uh last one i promise uh <laughs> or maybe it's not really hypothetical but it's basically about uh what we're seeing going forward and i know i've asked you about this before but do you think there's a chance that uh, for next year's number one overall pick, Amani Bates, is he going to play in college next year? Or do you think that he goes to the G League Ignite team? And do you think we start to see, is that start, like if he does that, is that going to become the norm? Like, are we going to start seeing these top three or four high school recruits going to the G League instead of going to the NCAA? And I think we've seen some five-star recruits already do it this, yeah. this year. Jaden Hardy is a lot of fun. He's going to be a lot yeah. of fun to watch and on that Ignite team. Uh, yeah, I think that Bates is probably going to go that route. Okay. Um, That'd be awesome. Maybe, I mean, I think even some of these guys are probably still going to choose the NBL path uh, mm. as well. Um, yeah. I don't think that's off the table. But it's going to get weird because we also have this overtime league coming which where high school kids are going to be like basically playing professionally um, and getting paid to play high school basketball. And then that league has already gotten like top five recruits. Um, so, I mean, I can't even picture what this kind of landscape is going to look like overall, because if I think the G league ignite route certainly worked this year, uh, especially with how well they performed in the bubble. I mean, they made the playoffs and I think everybody it, outside of Knicks, who I think really it was just the weight stuff um, probably helped their stock. I guess you can make an argument for Todd that if he had went to college, he'd have probably been like a lock first rounder. Um, but I think the skills he showed, like I, I think there's probably a disconnect versus how the internet values him versus how, NBA teams will value him and what his like range will be. But I think it worked and very clearly. I mean, uh, Jalen green was kind of unbelievable in, mm. in that bubble. And if I'm a, a prospect, I'm like, all right, well I can go to the bubble and like play or I can go to the G league and play with NBA coaching, learning NBA terminology, getting paid to do it. Or I could potentially go to a situation like Jalen Johnson at Duke that like hurts my draft stock and, you know, I, like doesn't prepare me necessarily for the NBA and is, you know, now I have the weird reputation. Like, I think these kids are going to look at the Ignite thing and be like, this is worth it, especially if it works again this year. And like Jaden Hardy, like this kid looks like Bradley Beal. Like he's, it's going to work. He's got a tailor-made NBA game. And I think Bates... Um, you're going to see it. I think, why would he go? I, I don't know. Why would he go to college to me? Like if he can get paid, he already decommitted, um, yeah. from Michigan state. Mm. Yeah. So like what he's going to go to, like, where's he going in college? That's going to be more enticing than going and playing in a professional league. You know, like it, it, to me, it's probably a no brainer that he goes and, and gets paid somewhere because I mean, his, he's already got a name. He doesn't need to use college to get his name out there. Like this right. kid, he's going to be on Matt. He's probably already been on the magazines. He's got games being played on ESPN already. He has the social media presence. He doesn't need the, you know, the benefits of, of college and to help his brand. His brand is, is branded already. Yeah. Um, so go get a bag and like help yourself out by being a step ahead of the college kids just from playing in an NBA offense already. I, I think I, I do think that that'll happen. Um, maybe it doesn't. Maybe he just <laughs> didn't want to live in Michigan. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you know? <laughs> Personally, I, think... I would go to Pepperdine if I was a, a top recruit. I would just live yeah. in Malibu on the beach. But uh <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because like you said that he's he's been talked about since he was like in middle school going into freshman his freshman year of high school. So his 
as far as who he is, everyone expects him to be like the next great all time great prospect, like like when those Kevin Durant level prospects. Mm. So it'll be interesting what he does. And I, and I was thinking with all these guys going to the Ignite, the G League and all this stuff, I feel like the NBA, that's less reason for the NBA to get rid of the one and done rule for them. Because if they can get these kids to go to the G League, that pumps up their stock in G League, like the G League stock in general, and makes that league much better. More fans around the world, uh, US, I should say, will want to go watch these games. Or oh, I'm, I'm definitely like, I'm, like me personally, like I've been as a basketball junkie, I was been wanting to go to like get season tickets for the Windy City Bulls. But I mean, I'll go get tickets for sure. Like if the ignite come to town, like I'd love to watch some yeah. of these big prospects that that will be in the league in the next year. So that makes me think like more than likely that one and done rule is not going away ever. Yeah. And and that's just one there's just one G League team. So imagine if there's or not or yeah. You develop, yeah. yeah, imagine if there's I think more. there's gonna be multiple. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. In the long run. Yeah. Exactly. So I th- I feel like that's less there's there's less reason for the NBA um to want to get rid of that one and done rule. And I know they were talking about it and as soon as this season sometimes some people projected like maybe like three, four years ago that two thousand twenty one will be the first year where the one and done rule is gone, but I, I think that one and done rule is not going to go anywhere now, especially with the way everything is playing out. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, I think that the, like the G league route, like the semi, like whatever you want to call it, like that is more like the European yeah. development style where, yeah. I mean, take Luca out of the equation because he's a complete outlier. Right. But like, look at Bogdanovich in the, <laughs> like this year, right. Mm-hmm. Like, these are guys who have played like in these crazy situations since they were younger um, against like grown men. And it's been, it's proven to be pretty beneficial, I think. And and so I think that it's, it's the right route, even if like, we don't know exactly how it's all going to be structured. I think with these leagues, again, the overtime league is going to be a thing and then the G league ignite. So you're going to have the high school pipeline. I think that's probably going to send them right to the ignite. Um, and uh, it's it's gonna get weird, and yeah. I'm here for it because the NCAA sucks. <laughs> yeah, and and on top and on top of that, 100 percent NCAA says sucks. And on top of that, you think you get a better feel for a guy's talent at the G League level, playing against grown men, and you can kind of see, yeah, you know what what will like come over in their skill set, and you can kind of see the raw talent there as it produces and and whatever and whatnot. I think. Maybe a guy like Kuminga might have might have gone down a little bit in stock because of that. Because I think maybe you saw what he is as far as going against some of these guys. I don't know if that maybe has played into it, but yeah, I, mean, I think you get a better feel for their talent as well. Yeah, I mean Kuminga, like I think that initially he was a guy that probably like he's going to, he's pretty much a top five lock now. Um, maybe he's out of that five, like maybe he slides to six, um, but no, no further than that. But he was a guy that he was probably hovering around the 10 mark coming into the year. So like, yeah, I think after the first G league game where he looked like LeBron <laughs> out there, like physically like bullying grown men, he probably yeah. was the guy that you were like, this is probably the one who maybe, makes it to the top three. Um, and then after that, like he might've been the guy that is now like the, the last guy in that group, but even still he's not sliding in this draft. Like he still showed all of the tools that make him interesting in the G league against professional NBA players and played with professional NBA players. So even though he didn't look like Jalen green, who was phenomenal, like pretty much the whole way through, he still did what he had to do to show that he could, he's an NBA player. Um, so it, even a guy like him, like it, he, he helped his stock. He, he did, he, he helped it. And then it backslid a little bit, but it's still, you know, he still is above where he started. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I really like that. We're seeing more high school players take control of their future and realize that there's really nothing in it going to the NCAA and 
unless it's just really just the NCAA having that footage of all of these players playing in March Madness and being able yeah. to market them. I mean, I know they they would have loved to have LeBron James footage <laughs> in the NCAA <laughs> at one point. So it it's really just them realizing that, hey, we don't get anything out of us anymore and that we can take control of our own future. We can prepare for the NBA better by going to the G League or going to the NBL or, you know, whatever. And we can save face and control our own stock that way. So it's it's really great to see. Corey, this has been great. Great draft analysis. I feel really good about the second round now. And I think that I'm like Herbert Jones was someone who I was already looking at. So I think he's probably going to become my guy. So I'm probably going to align <laughs> with draft Twitter on this one and hope that the Bulls turn into the Memphis Grizzlies and get him into the second round. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good strategy, right? <laughs> to, to follow their path. Yeah. I, so I, I'm, I'm down for it. Corey, thank you so much for always stopping by and giving us some really great draft analysis. Let our listeners know what you're working on right now and where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me at the Hardwood Mag on Twitter, um, on YouTube, the Hardwood Herald. Uh, that's where you'll find like uh, all my scouting breakdowns um, and whatnot. Uh, you can listen to my my podcast, the Draft Dak NBA podcast, where we kind of treat it like investing in the NBA draft stock market, and we break down a new player each week. Um, so that's, that's pretty much, oh, and then, yeah, as speaking of the hardwood mag, uh, I still have issues of copy two, uh, or issues, copies of issue two available, um, that you'll find the link on my Twitter where I kind of created a comic book magazine, um, comic book theme magazine and had a bunch of good writers write for it. Um, and I interviewed, uh, the through the wire podcast who are a bunch of Chicago guys, um, King of the fourth quarter, Kenny Beecham, um, part of that group and then i also interviewed uh the first creative director that of the nba who like designed all of the cool oh nice 90, 90s graphics tom o'grady oh, wow. like he designed the the raptors and grizzlies uniforms the sun's uniforms like every cool thing from the 90s to like the early 2000s he designed um so that was a really cool conversation as well so uh yeah that's that's everything the podcast the youtube the magazine hit me up we'll uh we can debate, you know, draft prospects on, on Twitter. <laughs> Dude, that's a that's the golden age of design. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think people realize at the time that it would be so influential, like almost like 20, 25, 30 years later. Like, I mean, even the old Hawks jersey, like it's there's a lot going on, but it's dope, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all interesting stuff. Yeah. I mean, like he brought like the sublimation to the NBA, like all the fading gradients and uh, like the all-star game, like you know, the all-star game jerseys were just like red and red, white, and blue always. And he was like, no, nah, like we're in San Antonio. Let's like make it look like we're in San Antonio. And, yeah. you, know, you know, he brought so. like the city to the cities that were hosting it. Um, he, it was a really fun conversation. I mean, the whole, he told, you know, me stories of like working for David Stern and like his first campaign, like he was working with McDonald's and there was this kid from Chicago who had a lot of hype. Um, and he was kind of like, he was definitely a known quantity, uh, quantity, but not yet to be what he was going to be. And that's Michael Jordan. Like he worked with Michael Jordan, like before he was Michael Jordan on a McDonald's yeah. campaign, you know, like he's got all these crazy stories that he told. Um, so it, it was, it was a fun conversation to have. And he was, he was a, a good dude. Perfect. Check out hardwood mag, check out draft deck, check out, all of Corey's draft breakdowns on YouTube. You will not regret it. Always informative. Salim, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Check out check out Corey's magazine. Um, I actually did buy it. I haven't opened it up yet. I, the first one was excellent. I, I love the first one. And like I said, I love, uh, I love Corey, everything he does. So uh, you will not be disappointed if you uh, go on his website and purchase his magazine and check out some of his other stuff that he does mm-hmm. too. Like I know he has some kind of like uh, accessories and gear uh, website as well that uh, I believe he, um, I'm not, I can't remember if he still have that up yet or not, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a really good site as well. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to my guy, our guys, uh, Chris and Lero. Uh, they've been killing it at over at bulls One Hundred One. And uh, I just want to show them some love. They've been uh, they've been on our pod a couple times now. So, but yeah, just uh, as far as the draft is concerned, man, I hope that uh, 
that that tidbit Corey dropped isn't correct. <laughs> and I hope this <laughs> I hope I hope this guy is actually good and maybe I don't know. I don't remember what, what Jokic's uh prospect conversation was about like when he was coming and I know people uh, still talk to to this day about how how the hell he went that late um maybe he was very unknown and and uh and uh aka found him and same way will happen with this player that you know that we're going to be getting here but i hope i hope uh he's better than better than what the sky that scout said yeah, that, yeah, that that kind of low key broke my heart a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe he'll still be all right. Maybe he'll still be a good rotation player. But uh, yeah, that wraps up today's uh, Bulls Gold. As always, you can check us out on uh, Apple. You can check us out on Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. Check out all of our past shows. We have some really good guests. Uh, and you can always find us right here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. Every Tuesday morning, 9, 8 central. So forth for Salim Sudawala. I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you back next week, Bulls fans. Bulls Gold.